Hey, what's going on, podcast listeners? This is Tatro back with another episode of Tatro Radio. Today, we actually have another interview show for you. So, part of Tatro Talks, I interviewed Gnarly, who is she's this really amazing beat maker, finger drummer, super proficient, highly skilled performer. Um, and I talked to her all about her finger drumming journey, her beat making journey, and it's a lot of great insight into you know her actually deciding to become an independent artist just before corona hit and you know she had just quit her job and she had to kind of problem solve figure out her way in the world i guess of being an artist and how to survive and she has a lot of really great insight into that um the track that you're hearing right now is actually one of her live performances and i highly encourage you if you get a chance to check out gnarly's instagram or uh, youtube channel which i will link in the description of this podcast just to see some of the proficiency of her live performance um, i hope you really enjoy this interview check it out all right welcome gnarly what is going on they all just saw a really epic clip of you jamming out on your machina mark three welcome to the show thank you for being here hey Tatro. thanks thanks so much for having me i'm really excited to be here I'm really stoked to be having this conversation and to have you on the show because like we've been in touch via Instagram for a a pretty decent amount of time. You know, I've always been a fan of your videos and been following you for a while. And when I was coming up with guests for the show and like trying to figure out who to have on, I'm seeing all the stuff that you're doing, especially since the pandemic and stuff you're doing with uh, different groups that you're a part of. and just surviving as a beat maker and like a content creator during this time, I think you'll have a really interesting perspective. But um, in the title and like in your introduction, I, I described you as like an amazing finger drummer, music producer. But one thing I like to ask all the guests is how do you define yourself as artists? Like when people say like, what do you do? What, what do you tell them? You know, that's like quite a hard question for me to answer because uh, like I definitely say that's kind of evolved as time's go- gone on. But like, I think I've kind of settled on being a finger drummer slash producer. For sure. Because it's interesting that the finger drumming aspect, because, you know, a lot of producers, you don't even see what they do or they're like behind the computer and it's not as performative. But for you, it's very performance focused. Has that always been the case or did you kind of start just making some beats and you grew into the finger drumming? I'm curious about um, the origins of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely didn't start off as a finger drummer. It wasn't something like that was intentional. I kind of fell into it and then it became like my entire life. But I I started, I guess, as a kid playing piano and stuff. Um, and then in my early teens, I wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Can I find like old tracks? Can I find like an <laughs> old MySpace page or something somewhere? No, so I, I used to have one. This is like, you know, because we were talking about how my Skype name's Puri Mashup, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that was Epic like my. Skype name. <laughs> it was my original artist name. So that was like from my rapping days. Um, it's like super embarrassing, but I just can't can't get rid of it. But I, I think love it. like I don't think it's embarrassing at all. I want to I want to come back. <laughs> I uh, you know like I genuinely wish that I still had some of those tracks, but my i had them all stored in an old hard drive and it broke a couple years ago so what a shame all of it it sounds like it might have been semi-intentional <laughs> trying to erase the it, past it's definitely for the best yeah you could always go back and re-record those tracks just just saying like they're not <laughs> totally lost um that's really cool i'm interested to know i want to know about the transition from being a young kid like playing piano 
to the music production world? Like, did you have to support a family, like a musically, like, did, were they backing you, like wanting to be a full, full on musician and artist? And then how was that transition going from, you know, I think a lot of us take more traditional music lessons and then somehow discover our own tastes and then contemporary music and then eventually, you know, production and beat making and stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about that transition and growing into that. Yeah, so I, like my family's always been quite quite supportive of every, everything. Um, like even when I wanted to be a rapper and then, you know, like I got into production because I was making beats um, to rap on essentially. Nice. Um, but like I definitely, there was a point in time where I was doing uh, classical grades on piano and um, I kind of wanted to switch to doing jazz grades and my mum wanted me to stick with classical Um so I ended up ditching the lessons and, um, you know, like doing my own style, beat making and stuff like that. And um, uh, yeah, that's kind of kind of how I transitioned into it. Um, but even even though I stopped doing lessons, I was still learning stuff all the time, like doing tutorials or like learning covers of songs that I really loved. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, like for me it's kind of similar. I wasn't a rapper, but I, I was doing like songwriting and that was kind of my entry into music production. Like I wanted to produce my own songs, recording a guitar and then like singing over them. And then eventually, you know, it grew, it grew into like making beats. Um, so it's a very, very similar trajectory. Does your, your prior piano knowledge and some of that classical training um, inform or, or like, does it serve you well currently, like as a producer, or did it serve you well as you were like making that bridging that gap between production and your music knowledge? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think it, it definitely helps to have like a solid uh, kind of understanding of music theory. Um, and, you know, like I, I went, I did the whole school route, like I, I did music GCSE, uh, music tech A level, and then like a degree in sound arts and design. And, um, nice. you know, like getting that, that like solid education, I think has definitely helped me with beat making, like knowing how to do sound design and like mixing and, you know, like just music theory as well for like composition and stuff. I think it, it really, really helps to, to have that solid education. Totally. Um, we have a few more people popping in the chat. Just want to say hello to what's up, Yusuf. What's up, Gamer X? Nice to see you. Um, Visual Bug, Visual Bug, asking a question about what DAW do you use? Uh, so I I've got uh, Ableton Live ten, and nice. um, I use Machina as a VST in it. So that's like always in every setup that I have. Let, let's get into like a little bit of controllerism talk. Did you start like with Machina like? from when you started producing and started finger drumming did you use other controllers i've seen you use the launchpad x i believe um what controllers did you kind of start on and what are you liking now so the uh the first pad based controller i guess that i ever had was the first gen launchpad and that was nice. when like you know like all that existed was the mpc and i kind of couldn't get into that because it was quite quite pricey and yep. um it's like doorless as well. And I kind of, I wasn't really interested in doorless stuff. I was very much into using my laptop and using that to create. Um, so I, I, yeah, I got the first launch pad and uh, I didn't really know how to use it properly. Same. I, just kinda I have a whole it. video that says why I returned my first launch pad because I got my first launch pad and just like didn't know what to do and just ended up returning it. So it's been like yeah. a long journey of that. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah like I've got I've got a bunch of my old videos from like when I used to film myself producing and um you know like all of the buttons are flashing on the launch pad but then mm -hmm. definitely not supposed to be doing that <laughs> yeah and this is from the time probably when like light shows were like a huge thing right yeah I, like I, I never really got that like it's more about the lights I guess but that that's that's crazy because back then the launch pads didn't have uh, velocity sensitivity. Like you had to really, like if you really wanted to use that, especially I think about the way your sets are now, like in that NPC or machine style, like you really had to use it, not the way it was intended. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it was definitely good as like a clip launcher. Um, sure. But yeah, like I don't, I never tried finger drumming on it actually. Cause I, when I got it, I wasn't finger drumming at that point. Um, mm. I like I got a push after that, um, oh, and I nice. started trying to do a little bit, but I felt the pads were like quite stiff, and because they're mm -hmm. so small, I felt yeah. like they weren't really good for finger drumming. Um, and I ended up getting a Machina Mark II, uh, nice, and that's kind of when the whole finger drumming thing happened. Epic. Um, it's interesting because people ask me all the time about Machina and Ableton and I love both, but I do, and you're running Machina in Ableton. And I'm curious if you just shed some light for the audience on workflow with that, because a lot of people will get the Machina and then they'll try to use it with just strictly Ableton and they'll be like super disappointed because obviously it's not made for that. Um, Machina itself is really kind of its own DAW. Especially, well, if you open up as a plugin, it's like a DAW within a DAW almost. You want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of your workflow and how you're kind of using it within Ableton Live, just that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of completely depends on um, like what I'm doing because if I'm doing like a live finger drumming set, so like what I do for my videos essentially, um, that's a completely different setup to how I would use it if I was doing like actual production and trying to build a track and stuff. Totally. So, let's break that. Let's break that down for the audience. Like, tell us about the two different approaches. So, like, uh, for for live performance, I normally just have it like very minimal. I've just got one MIDI channel with Machina's VST, um, and then I'll have an audio track, which is resampling the audio from Machina um, into an audio track. So I'll have that set up as a stereo track, and. Um, I make sure, you know, all my levels, all my pad sounds and everything are mixed before I actually start recording. So I get all the levels like right. And then I can just essentially record just the stereo output from that. Um, and then that's how I, how I make my videos and stuff. Um, all of the actual sequencing, I guess, like the sounds and stuff is all done in machine. Um, and then what's your workflow in terms of just like production? Yeah, so like with production, I, I generally because I like to use like a bunch of different VSTs in that mm -hmm. in that case and like looping and stuff. And I, I prefer to use the arranger mode rather than clip view. Um, so I'll have Machina set up as a VST again. But in this instance, um, I kind of set up all of the pads to have an individual output. So each pad will go out to an audio track in Ableton and then I'll have those record arms. So when I'm ready to record my loop, it's basically recording those drums in real time. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's a awesome workflow. 
and I, I thought it was important because people I see people confused all the time. In uh, it, it's like it's very similar thing to like buying a launch pad when you're like when I was a kid and like not knowing what the heck I was doing. Is I think a lot of people have that same confusion around Machina and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's there's so many different ways that you can set it up, but for me, like this totally. is the most streamlined way for me to work. Yeah, and are you attracted to the Machina, like the pads that they just do it for you, like? the bigger pads, the sensitivity, what is it? What do you like about that controller? Uh, yeah, it's like all of what you just said. Um, the The size of the pads is perfect. I find like the bounce of them is really good. Uh, and I like the fact that you can like change the colors of them. So if For I'm sure. doing like, a live set, you know, you can make it look really nice as well. Um, nice. Yeah. Epic. Let's talk about your uh, finger drumming journey. Can you talk about like starting off doing that? Was it just uh, you're getting more and more interested in the performance aspect rather than just the beat making aspect? Um, what sparked that? I reckon it, you know, it comes from that wanting to be like a rapper kind of thing. It's like that wanting to be a performer. And right. if I wasn't going to do that vocally, uh, I wanted to find a way to not be just a bedroom producer. Um, you know, like when I was in my early 20s, late teens, and I was trying to figure out what I was doing with life, um, there was like a lot of options for me. Like I wanted to be a life sound engineer. I wanted to be a recording engineer. I wanted to do like music for film, like doing sync was one of my big dreams. Um, yeah. And I'd still love to do that, but I kind of, there was like so many different avenues. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and then at some point I was like, I want to start performing my beats live. Mm -hmm. um and i'd been to a few live gigs and seen people like um anchor song and uh lapalux as well um and they they were all using pad based controllers to essentially like play their beats live um so i i looked it up online i was looking at a couple of youtube videos like jeremy ellis and yes Back then, it was the wild, wild west. There wasn't nearly as much out there as there is now. But when you watch yeah. some of those Jeremy Ellis, like Machina Micro videos, especially, like I really remember those. Um, that's like, whoa, that's what you can do. Like, yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's crazy. Like, I saw I saw a couple of videos of Jeremy Ellis, and then there was like Jay Black was out there in those times as well. I think he, he had sure. like a much smaller following than he does now, but like he's like huge and. Uh, he, I remember him being one of the first people that I discovered, um, as well as like Odd Kid Out. Um, yep. So I, yeah, I just I just wanted to try it, and um, you know, I I got a machine and it essentially sat in my studio for the first year. I didn't really use it at all um, until like I don't know, like in 2016. I guess I had quite a rough year, and I just got really like absorbed into learning how to do finger drumming and it just yeah it just took over from there yeah tell us about that tell us because you're a super proficient finger drummer like like you're doing these full live sets and you're doing like pretty long live sets. like i've seen you do like half hour plus sets which yeah. is like like that's a performance like it the the short videos are super impressive too like the you know athleticism i guess you could call it of even shorter videos is impressive but especially to be able to do it in a longer set um I'm interested how you got there. Like, what was what was the training process like? Like, are you, exercises? Like, what did you use to learn? 
I think definitely the turning point for me was using the like 30 day beat challenge. So I started off doing that like a couple of years ago and that's kind of how I start off every year now. So every January I'll do a 30 day beat challenge just to, you know, like get me set for the year. Um, And it, it puts a lot of pressure on you to like create stuff and to create new stuff. And obviously I'd made so many beats by the end of the 30 day beat challenge that I started trying to do live streams of me essentially practicing all of those sets like all of the individual tracks like as a whole set um, for sure and i think also when i start doing live shows it it also puts that pressure on you to like create a performance rather than just like a short bit of content like being able to play for half an hour and keep people interested is like a totally different game to yeah. just doing a little video totally um I was talking about this with uh, Sarah, the instrumentalist on a previous show about how doing one of those 30 day challenges, because you, you do January, right? Which is like the one that kind of a lot of people do participate in January. I did this random thing in October that I just called Beattober. I don't even think many other people (laughs) did it. I think I just made it up or somebody on Twitter sparked my imagination. But after that 30 days, it really changes your brain like it changes your effect like the way you look at beat making and makes you so much more you can it you can get so much faster at it just after a 30-day period the things that took you a long time to make a decision on go so much faster yeah yeah definitely I think it, it definitely completely changed the uh the whole way that I work like it streamlined my workflow a lot because I used to spend like two hours on the same eight bar loop trying to figure out like how to do it and stuff and now it's more like painting you know like I've got the image in my head and I can just yep. do the strokes um and then refine it later on totally I'm curious like there's that there's that habit building and like the music making aspect and the 30 day challenge helping with that I'm curious about like the actual ergonomics of finger drumming like did you use any resources to like learn like I know there's things like melodics out there did you use any of that stuff to really kind of get trained in that or were you really just going for it making your own beats and just kind of getting better at different patterns um I used melodics for like a couple months when I first started out like maybe like three months or something I Mm -hmm. I was uh I was training using it, but I just found, you know, like, cause you're, you're doing it along to a grid. I think it's really great for like beginners and like, especially if you never learned music, like just generally before, because it can really help you in terms of like knowing how to keep in time and like basic rhythm and stuff like that. Um, but for me, it got to a point where quite quickly actually that it was too rigid for me like I didn't feel like I was grooving with a beat or like able to actually construct my own routines just yeah. from learning an exercise on an app um, totally but I'm sure it, like you were able to build some like base level skills you know like base, base level training from it and then you can you know everybody says you learn the rules and then you learn to break the rules you know yeah yeah for sure there was also like a couple of videos that i'd watched on youtube i'm not sure if they still exist to be honest but like jeremy ellis his channel used to be full of finger drumming tutorials where he was teaching stuff like paradiddles which is like Mm -hmm. a drumming like an actual drumming technique but you can translate that onto the pads yeah i'm always fascinated by that because i was teaching like in actual classrooms and an after school program for a long time and I would I would use melodics as a way of kind of teaching finger drumming because it's really one of the only resources out there that you know teaches this style and and 
you know, beat making in this way because all the other resources for music out there are either really based in classical or jazz and there's some contemporary pop stuff but like to get finger drumming training is still a bit of a challenge and melodics is one of the only main players in that and for chat if you all don't know what melodics is it's basically like um this it's guitar hero-esque in that uh you have notes coming across the screen it's it's showing you them in a grid but it, what it does it's really a training software it breaks it down for you at the beginner level and then um you build up so you could even have the same beat at different levels where you know at first you're just playing the kick then you're adding a snare then you're adding a third layer like a hi-hat onto samples etc so it's a really really awesome training program I, i've used a lot in teaching i think i'm gonna like probably reapproach it to build some of my own finger drumming skills up a bit more but i think it's cool while i have the chat's attention though i want to let them all know that in the description of my video you can find a link to gnarly's channel and i think that you should all go like in this moment open it in a new tab and click subscribe because i believe you're like super close to a thousand subscribers right yeah very close yeah. very close <laughs> so like everybody in chat like i think we can do it if you're in chat and you're watching this just go to my description open link in your tab click subscribe let's see how much we can move that needle on this stream it would be if we could get it to a thousand during this stream like you just send her channel to all your friends while we're here too that would be amazing but we'll see we'll see if we can move the needle a little bit on that note i i'm curious to know about um, when content creation became a part of what you do because it's beyond just you know being a, a beat producer and being a performer it's also you make dope videos and that's one of the main ways you kind of get your stuff out there when did that become a thing in your repertoire making content i'm not sure i can pin that down to be honest um i like when i first got instagram it was you know like when it was new and people weren't using it for like business essentially like right. you were just for posting photographers pictures. and cool filters yeah 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 and like posting pictures of your dinner and stuff um and uh I started posting like videos of me practicing uh, like finger drumming and like looking back on them now, um, I've actually got a new video that I'm going to release soon, which is basically my journey over the last yes. five years. I'm stoked um, for that. <laughs> but like all the, all the old videos, like I'd, I'd film them on like my really rubbish iPhone and like with a fish eye. And We've the all been there. The fish eyes never on properly, so like <laughs> all things like blurred, and you can barely see me. I think it adds to the style because I I remember like consuming your content like a a while back, and like it always having like this fish eye look. Yeah. Like even now, I think you you probably use like a GoPro and stuff now too, right? Which yeah. still kind of has a fish eye look, but I I remember that being like, damn, I wish I had a cool fish eye look like that. <laughs> like so, even if you say it's like janky and shot on a weird iPhone, I was like, that's cool. That's a cool style. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm glad it it looked okay <laughs> but yeah like I, I I was basically doing that and um I don't know like at some point I guess I was doing it so much that I was like I kind of need to up the level of what my videos look like like you get to a certain follow account and you're like okay this like doesn't really cut it anymore I like yeah. I owe it to my fans and I also want to be putting out good quality content um for sure so I guess, I guess that just kind of happened naturally. Um, it, it's interesting because it become it just becomes this thing. Like I don't consider myself a videographer at all or photographer at all, but making videos and, you know, shooting cool photos is like such a huge part of what I do as a musician and music producer. And it's so funny that it just becomes 
this thing that you do and have to actually gain really high skills in, you know? It's yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely think, like, I, I've picked up so many, like, video editing skills that, like, I never would have had before. And, like, yeah. like I, I definitely feel like I'm constantly improving, like, s slowly. Like, especially yeah. with the secret source kind of stuff, because we're, you know, like, we're recording and editing all that ourselves. Um, and that's, like, Can a two-hour episode. Yeah, so. tell, me, tell me about, tell everybody about secret sauce. What is that? What's happening? Tell us all about it. So um, Secret Source Beats is basically like a community of live performing beat makers that me and a couple of friends have kind of started up, um, I guess at the start of like lockdown and stuff. Um, I was trying to figure out ways to connect everyone. We were kind of doing these beat battles on IGTV and IG Live and like a f we tried a few different streaming platforms until we were able to find the one that actually worked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... It's basically uh, a chance for a bunch of beat makers to hang out. So we do like these monthly events where it's like a Zoom call and there's 20 beat makers and we all showcase beats and give feedback and ask questions and stuff. And it, it's been a really, really great way to connect with people like all over the world. Um, so from September, we're going to start doing beat battles again. Um, and... You can enter if you want, uh, just send us a one minute video of you performing, like you can be performing on anything, it doesn't have to be finger drumming, um, yeah. you know, like you can be playing around on SP404, playing keys, singing, whatever, um, and just, yeah, submit a one minute video to us to www.secretsourcebeats.com. Check that out, chat, secretsourcebeats.com. I guess this is a good segue into you know, you are a live performer and you were playing out a lot, like out of just, you know, your room, like out on stages with crowds of people and these, you know, beat collectives everywhere. Like I think about the LA beat scene here and, and your beat scene, especially the secret sauce group that you have. This all used to be stuff we could go in person and do and put on shows and like people could have a good time. How have you been adapting like what was the impact of the pandemic on you as an artist it hasn't been like as terrible as i know it has been for a lot of people so like my partner for example he's a beatboxer and mm -hmm. he makes his bread and butter from touring so like especially in the summer that's like peak season for him basically yeah. like he's had all of his shows cancelled like for me i I had like a few shows booked in, but because the majority of the work that I do is online um, or like me working at home from my studio, it hasn't affected me so much on that kind of level. Um, but it, it definitely has been uh, a game changer because I, I quit my like normal job um, mm. like at the end of last year with the idea to basically become like a freelance full-time finger drummer. So like doing shows and stuff and I had a bunch of them booked in. They've all kind of been postponed or cancelled. Um, so that was that was definitely kind of hard at first to figure out, you know, exactly what I'm going to do. Um, but because I I got this background of doing stuff online and video editing and all that kind of stuff, um, it hasn't been too much of a difficult transition for me in terms of like having to do that stuff like more as the main focus, I guess, rather than real life performances. Yeah, I, I guess I'm curious to hear because I went through a similar similar thing. I also think about all the people who made very similar moves just like you just before the pandemic of like, you know, 
wanting to take a shot at the freelance thing and then boom pandemic you know like i think of all the people who were probably struck by that um and then i i think i was fortunate because i made a move to freelance like over a year ago so i had kind of a year to get my footing and then once this hit i kind of knew i had to accelerate some things but i kind of knew what i needed to do to you know still survive i'm curious to know um as it hits and you realize like okay i got to do everything from home um like what changed for you what did you have to really what did you end up like ramping up effort in um what kind of skills were you leading on and what problems were you trying to solve and figure out in order to you know really make things work now that we are all stuck at home anyway yeah i mean like probably the the main thing was figuring out like a a solid income source um because i'd initially been through from doing events um and so, like, with the whole summer season cancelled, no festivals um, or anything, um, I had to kind of re-figure out how I was going to generate an income. Uh, if it wasn't going to be from shows, how else was I able to do that? And um, I'd been thinking about doing finger drumming lessons for quite a while. Um, so for me, that was kind of, like, it seemed like the most sensible choice for me to start doing like lessons and yeah. one-to-ones and stuff um, to know that I'm getting a solid income from that kind of thing. Um, because, you know, like putting out releases and stuff, it can take quite a while for you to be able to see any return from that. Um, and obviously having quit my job only like six months prior to when the pandemic started um, and like running very low on savings, I had to kind of try and figure out how, how I was going to deal with that um yeah but like in terms of like actual like quality of content and stuff I feel like because I've had all this time to be at home and work on stuff my skills in terms of like video editing uh production and even live streaming have like you know like really raised the bar um for sure it had it like it it just becomes this instinctive thing and I think this is everything you just said is super important for chat to hear because the whole music industry is struggling with this at the moment where so much of the music industry is built around live performance and you know that doesn't just go for the performers that go goes for all the folks who worked in lighting who worked in sound who worked on stages you know that kind of thing and it's really easy i think because we have a lot of younger folks and a lot of uh, beginners in the chat and in our community um, it's super important to like just listen to that story that you just told and say like okay yes it's a scary thing that's happening but like what can I still do what is actually possible from home so it's like okay we you can do lessons like that that off the top for me too I was also not putting so much effort in lessons and then when it work from home became a real real thing it's like okay it's kind of a really an easy lift to just start doing private lessons and and kind of share the knowledge and and provide income for myself that way and and i think a lot of people get locked into this mentality of okay i'm just the artist i'm just the producer i'm just the you know beat maker but really it's like a holistic approach to being an artist like you become great like you said at at video and streaming and then you also share the knowledge like you're teaching that can provide real value to somebody. Um, I think that perspective and that story you just showed is really important for the audience to really understand this like whole full circle thing you have to be committed to if you really want to survive as an artist. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I definitely think like 
sharing the knowledge especially like in hip-hop it's such a big part of it like passing on that knowledge and um I've actually really been enjoying teaching as well like it's really Mm -hmm. cool to see someone that's like a total beginner and over six weeks they've like you know like surpassed even what you could do in six weeks like I've seen like students that have like progressed so quickly like in comparison to like how I was doing at the time um which is really cool and it's really really rewarding as well for sure um Maybe we can go back in time a little bit because I'm interested to hear about this as I always am interested in hearing about creators who make the leap from having, you know, full-time jobs, like normal jobs, I guess you could say, to like then making, taking a big step to saying like, okay, I'm going to go freelance. I'm going to go head on into this artist thing. Can you talk about like that time in your life and what led you to making that decision and how did it feel making that decision? Like, was it super scary? And like, looking back, what do you think about that decision now? It was terrifying at the time. Yeah, it was it was really scary. I like I tried to do it when I was a bit younger, um, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have the discipline for it. So I quit my job, and then I didn't have a plan, and I was essentially just you know like not really doing much for about six months before I yeah. then had to find myself another job. Um, mm-hmm. But this time, I kind of I worked my butt off really like I'd really worked hard for for maybe like the last two three years um before I made the decision to do it again um and it it got to the point where in the last year at my job I was working four days a week as like a a restaurant manager which is like a really stressful job anyway for sure Um, and then on all my days off, I was doing gigs, like workshops, speaking on panels. Uh, I was having to like fly to other countries to do shows and stuff wow. as well, um, like rehearsals and stuff. And like about six months had gone and I hadn't had a real day off. Um, so that was kind of when I was like, okay, like I need to like, you know, stop trying to balance this and just yeah. commit and like take that leap of faith essentially and like really try to like make it work as a musician um and you know like I when I when I quit at the time like I I'd given my my boss like three months notice because I like really planned it out and I had like a six-month plan and stuff um Tell but me then, about that. Let's 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 stop. Let's go into like. Tell me about the six month plan. Like, what 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 is in the mind of the the person who wants to go full freelance artist? Well, what do you think? What how are you mapping out those six months? Uh, I guess like kind of what I was gonna do. Like, I had a few shows booked in, but then it was also like I was gonna try and push the content to then get more shows on top of yeah. that, um, as well as like basically applying to a whole bunch of festivals because we have tons of them in the UK um and it's like a really good way for you to get your feet as like a touring artist um so I was gonna do that I had like a whole EP uh planned out and um basically like a release schedule so I had like a bunch of projects that I'd been uh planning to work on um and then I was gonna basically do that over time um but then the pandemic hit and it kind of like blew that whole entire plan away but I think it's kind of been really like a blessing in disguise in some ways because in the back of my mind I always had if this doesn't work out in six months I can just go and get myself another normal job and like 
carry on that grind of working and then trying to do music as well. Um, I think that's always the thing that like people forget. It's like you could take like a bit of time. Like if you really, I think it has to reach a point, like you said, where like something's got to give, like you're working your normal job, but you also have your artist side. And now that the artist side is growing and growing, it's becoming more consuming. So you need the time. So when you get to that point and you take the plunge, if it doesn't work out, you can always get a real, you can always just get another real job, you know? Yeah. Like, I think people always forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I totally had that in the back of my mind. But then obviously now, like, it's so hard to go out yeah. and get one of those kind of jobs. So it, it, it basically, like, took away my plan B and made me, like, have to really work hard at, you know, becoming a self-sufficient freelancer. Totally. And the skills that you've built too, like your skills are now beyond just, you know, music and beat production, like we talked about before, but like, if you really needed to pick up like a freelance, like editing job or video job, or like even just consulting on like, oh, this group wants to do this big live stream thing. You did secret sauce. How do you do that? Like you're now a consultant for things like that. Like it explodes beyond just music. I think that that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a, another thing where like, I was basically getting recognized by customers at the shop ah, so like that must have been quite disruptive yeah like it's not that it's embarrassing but it's just kind of like you're there at your day job and then people be like hang on aren't you a producer and you're like yeah well I think that's <laughs> that's such a like that's why I like having these conversations like telling these stories like from the ground up because people have this perception of folks online that this is all we do like we just this we just make content like that's the only thing that we do when in reality they don't know like like I'm sure there are many of my subscribers who had no idea that for like the first three years of my channel I was working at an after school program every single day like I'm sure no like nobody knew that and I'm sure like there's a, a bunch of your followers like had no idea you were working at a restaurant but like that's the reality of it it's not that we're trying to hide it it's just like we're representing ourselves as producers online because that's who we are as artists we're not hiding things but that's the reality like we gotta we gotta eat at some point while we're building yeah for sure and I, I like there's nothing to be ashamed of like working hard to, of course. to make your bread and butter like there's you know like I think it 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 builds character it gives you strength to like have to go through those kind of struggles I think especially working in a kitchen or like in a restaurant like you said because that was my like first job and like working th like through college too uh, this is just a sidebar but I think everybody should have to work in a kitchen just because like that that teaches you like hard work for real for real yeah yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but that's a conversation for a different podcast um I'm curious about because now that you are going really head on into this content thing because you know what choice do we all have at this moment um what what is your relationship like with social media and how do you balance it mentally in your head? Um, you know, we, we talked about like you're growing your YouTube following and I think it's so interesting when artists like have a big following like you do on Instagram and then they try to build up other platforms. I went through a very similar thing, but in reverse, I had a bigger following on YouTube. I was trying to build up Instagram. Like what is your mental relationship with uh, social media as an artist? Um... I don't know it's kind of like a love-hate relationship like I hate the fact that I spend so much time on it but it's also like I kind of like doing that because you know like you make connections like even though it's online you still make these kind of connections with other people out there yeah. you know like in your 
for example, like there's a whole bunch of other producers and beat makers that I speak to online. Um, and, you know, that's been really, really great for, you know, just connecting with people. Um, you know, because it, it can sometimes be a bit hard, especially when you're a beat maker, you spend so much time on your own, like relating to normal people as well. Um, so like I like I really enjoy the online interactions with other beat makers. Um, yeah. But like there is like a weird thing of just like I guess like trying to grow your following and stuff. Yeah. So like it's like never enough. Like I don't really know how to describe it. It's a bit I don't know. It's it's hard to not judge your work based on the likes. Like it's very hard. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's something you struggle with at all, but like, like, and and you especially like somebody like who has such an amazing skill set, not only like the music, but like visually watching somebody do that is so amazing to watch and takes so much work and has you put in so much training and time. It's just, but you know how you must know how it feels because I feel it all the time when you make a video, or you make a piece of content, and put all that effort into it, and you know it doesn't do as well as you hoped it would whatever that yeah. imaginary number is in our heads, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I always find, like, sometimes I'll put up a video that I'm like, oh, this is just a throwaway beat, and then that one does really well. Does the best, and then yeah, of course. One that I've, like, worked really hard on uh, maybe won't do as well. But I've also found, like, depending on the platform, like, things kind of, uh, I guess, like, the reach is very different depending for on sure. what kind of platform you're on. So, like, even from Instagram to Facebook, like it's like yeah. crazy like the difference yeah so are you doing a lot on facebook i'm curious to know because i do very little like i focus so much on youtube and so much on instagram i do very little on facebook because i i just mentally can't go on facebook and and you know you know we all know how facebook is we all have those relatives but yeah. like <laughs> are you how are you using uh facebook as an artist are you having a lot of success on there so like i i guess i was kind of like similar to you like i really hated going on facebook i basically never used it um and then I think it was kind of at the beginning of this year I was like I I'd been stuck on 500 likes on Facebook literally until about January February this year um and I started to like post the same videos that I was posting on Instagram on Facebook and then sharing them to a couple of beatmaker groups um mm -hmm. And I find that my reach generated on Facebook has like skyrocketed, like wow. insanely. Whereas on Instagram, I'm probably not getting as much reach as I used to. Um, it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The algorithm's just ever changing. And I think it's an important lesson for the audience. Like take the same content that you're making and just make it easier for people to access it on all the platforms. Just put, I think a lot of, I definitely went through this getting caught up in like, I'm not going to post the same video that I posted on YouTube on Instagram. But once I got over that, like huge growth, like posting to both platforms, even if it's the same content, some people cross over and see it twice and don't mind it. Some people only see one and that's how they experience the content. But if you didn't upload it there, they might have never seen it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And I think, I think like majority of, um, majority of people like will only see it on that one platform. Like yeah. I don't, I don't find there's like that much crossover. There's maybe a couple of people, but majority of the people are like completely different on each platform. Yeah, and the people who do see it twice are usually like your diehard dedicated people. So they don't mind that they've seen it twice. They're just happy to, you know, see your content on whatever platform it is.
Hey guys, hope you're really enjoying this interview. Sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you all know that this interview was actually live on YouTube and you could have watched live and asked questions while you were there. So youtube.com slash Tatro. I'm doing the Tatro Talks series every Thursday for now until the foreseeable future. So make sure you're subscribed over on YouTube so you can check out the interviews live and participate. But uh, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Let's get back to the interview. Um, we kind of talked about this earlier, but I guess I can follow up, um, your views on the push. I know you said you originally had a push. You felt like it was stiff. Pads weren't big enough. Have you tried push two at all? Do you just feel like what you've got with Machina Mark three is good enough? Like what, what's your views on push, new push, all that? Yeah, I, I had a push two. I had both of them actually. Oh, yeah. I, oh, okay. I, I cool. bought the original one and then six months later, the new one came out. <laughs> Uh, which is typical. So I ended yeah, up uh, trading happens. in, trading in the old one and getting the new one. Um, so I, I've tried both, um, and it was the same problem on both of them. Just the pads too small and too stiff um, mm-hmm. for my like. Yeah, um, don't you wish? Like, don't you wish Ableton would just come out with a, like, bigger pad controller, just like a, oh, a yeah. four by four grid? Like that would be so clutch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. made by Akai as well, right? The controller. So well, first, that's the interesting thing. The first one was, and then the second one they moved to just doing it in house at Ableton. So I, I don't know if there's a, I won't speculate, but who knows? There could be some drama afoot. Um, let's see. Somebody's asking this question. Yeah. So Yusuf does ask about like, how do you get that good at finger drumming, which we kind of covered, and this stream will be up later folks so if you tune in later you can watch from the beginning and hear some of the insight but any just like quick tips like you can repeat a little bit of what you said earlier or like anything just quick that you can give uh yusuf get good at finger drumming what's he got to do sure practice consistent practice like daily so doing at least like half an hour a day and then trying to set yourself like something like a 30 day beat challenge if 30 mm-hmm. days is too like overwhelming for you to begin with um you know, like try a seven day challenge or something and build up to it. Um, but I think definitely doing those one a day challenges helps to put that pressure on you to improve in a short amount of time. Yeah, that that's another thing about the, the, the pedagogy, like the teaching of this stuff that doesn't exist is like uh, people don't get that. Uh, what you just said about like the discipline of 30 minutes a day, try to do a daily challenge, which you would if you went to a piano lesson, your piano teacher would tell you, you know, practice 30 minutes a day, practice an hour a day. And we don't really we're not there yet. I mean, we're we're pretty close to there. I mean, you're here talking about it on YouTube. So I, I think I uh, <laughs> I still have nightmares about my my old piano teacher. who oh. She like made me keep a diary, which I had to get my mom to sign oh, like no. every single day. Um, saying how much practice I did. <laughs> you love to see it. See, but now that that we're like taking on this new, not new, but in the new generation of musicians and you know music producers, we we can learn from the mistakes of our you know our parents, and we cannot <laughs> be quite like that. But it it does still require <laughs> discipline. I I think that's an important point that people miss in the music production. Uh, all right, scroll through some more questions here. Uh, Manny has a question about MIDI controllers with keys. What are your What are your thoughts? Are you using a keyboard controller at all? What controllers do you like? Uh, yeah, so I, I've got a couple of keyboard controllers. I've got, maybe you can see it behind me, I've got an mm-hmm. S88 by nice. uh, Nate Instruments. Um, so that's fully weighted keys, um, just because I come from a piano playing background. 
Um, so that's what I prefer. I kind of, I'm not really into synthy, synthy keys, like semi-weighted. Mm-hmm. They don't, yeah. I don't know, it just doesn't feel right to me. That's um, much. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got a, you know, called Minilog XD as well. It's nice. Sweet. Yeah, I watched your video with that. That's so dope. Do you find yourself using a lot of, um, like, outboard gear in, in conjunction with your DAW and stuff? Or is that maybe one of your only pieces? That's definitely my only piece. My first oh. and only piece, yeah. I mean, nice. I, like, I, I like the idea of expanding it, but I also really like having a streamlined workflow. Um, totally. So, yeah. I'm with you there, for sure. Um question about beat block from dios 94 now i've shared my views on beat block and my thing is like just make stuff and make bad stuff because like beat block means like you sit and your like hands physically don't work i feel but like what's your thoughts on um you know feeling creatively blocked and not being able to you know get stuff done there's a whole bunch of things you can do to overcome it so i mean like you were saying just sit down and make anything whether it's good or not good like it doesn't matter just make anything but I think also for me a way for me to get out of it has been doing like covers or remixes of songs that I really like um nice which can kind of help you to feel a bit more inspired inspired if you're not um I don't know I guess I would come up with anything original um, yeah it is a different part of your brain that you use when you're recreating something versus trying to pull something onto a blank page yeah, and like you, you can totally do like a cover and kind of make it your own. Like take those chords or something that you really like in something and change it, change it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, Gamer X asked a kind of uh, technical question about opening up. Call in on Monday, Gamer X. Show on Monday's a call in show. I'll answer all your tech technical questions. Um, folks, I think we're one away from one K on Gnarly's channel. So if you want to be that one person that can go over there if if Bowden is correct if if, if Bowden's correct we're one away from 1k so if you want to be that one person can you can we actually check this I can we we have the power let's go let's do this I'm gonna go to your channel right now and that's super exciting if we didn't move the needle that much um <laughs> Chroma Beats has a few different questions here what is the best way of containing Oh, question about confidence. So, so Chroma Beats is a, a persistent viewer on the 343 Labs channel. Oh, God, I'm afraid my computer is going to melt if I try to open your uh, channel right now. So we'll trust the crowd. So Chroma Beats is a, is a regular viewer of the 343 Labs channel. And Chroma Beats is kind of a beginner just starting out in music production. And he's, I think Chroma Beats is feeling down a lot. Like, I think it's super hard as somebody who's just starting out to keep confidence, like, I think seeing stuff like yours, like, is super aspirational. And everything I consume, like, artists that I love, some of the artists that are in the chat, like, super aspirational stuff. But I can't see that view of um, looking at artists, great artists with super uh, capable technical ability and feeling like, shoot, I'm never going to get there. Can you speak to the beginners in the audience and, like, how how they can keep their confidence and how they can keep pushing through? We, like, we all start somewhere. Um, you know, like before I started on my finger drumming journey, like, well, like even in the very beginning, like I felt like I had a lot of confidence issues. Um, and like social anxiety is something that I like generally deal with anyway. Um, so like it's kind of, uh, 
like a mind over matter kind of thing like work on your craft work hard do the best that you can do and be yourself and that's all you can do at the end of the day um you know like if you put in that time like those 10,000 hours working on your craft that's going to show at some point maybe it doesn't right now and you're not at where you want to be at right now but it will it's just about being persistent and not giving up um because we, we all start somewhere, like, I wasn't always really good at finger drumming. Um, and it took me just, like, being really obsessive about it, really, to um, to get to a level where, you know, like, now it's not even a confidence thing. Like, I just know that I can perform a set. Like, I know that I'm solid. And that's come from me putting in that hard work. Yeah, I think the 10,000 hour rule of Chroma Beats is something to keep in mind. If you haven't heard of it before, it's like to be an expert and to be super proficient at something, you got to put 10,000 hours in. And like Gnarly just said, if you are feeling like giving up, if you're not where you want to be at this moment, you have to trust the process and just look at it like a marathon and not a sprint. You're not going to all of a sudden wake up one day and, you know be where you want to be it's a very gradual process and if you stick with it that that is really the only thing you can do is stick with it there is no giving up if you're if you want to be an artist if you want to be a music producer um you know we don't just give up it's a long journey if you do give up then you're giving up that the idea of being an artist and the idea of being a music producer it's never going to come easy to anybody people everybody's journey is different some people's take longer some people's take shorter but trust in the process and if you put in that 10,000 hours which sounds enormous right now but if you break it down if it's an hour a day it'll take you 10,000 days but if it's two hours a day three hours five hours whatever you can put in um, you will get there eventually it's about, about putting in the time and putting in the work and not giving up specifically. Um, thank you, Gnarly, for being here and being super inspirational to all of our you know, community. And I'm looking at your channel right here. I wasn't just texting on my phone. Uh, and I'm seeing 1K subscribers. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, That's thank awesome. you to everyone everyone in the community who jumped in and did that you won't be disappointed so hopefully when you're over there you rang the bell because um there's so many dope videos like just just binge that channel like binge it like it's netflix and you will be super inspired about finger drumming about beat making all of it um that's super amazing uh thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show and uh talk to me today thank you so much for having me it's been really great chatting to you and can you shout some of your links? Like, I don't know if you're if you're stacked on students or if you're still taking lessons. We'd love to hear the link so people can go check that out and shout out the secret sauce again. You want to just shout some of your stuff? Yeah, so you can, if you're interested in lessons, I've got a couple of spots left. It's like very limited spaces. Um, but you can hit me up on Instagram, just send me a DM or uh, you can email me info at gnarlymusic.co.uk. Um, if you want to check out any of my stuff, go to my website as well. Uh, gnarlymusic.co.uk it's got all my links and you know like everything you need to know um if you want to check out anything um and yeah we're we're on the hunt for live performing beat makers so if that's you come and join us over at secretsourcebeats.com um send us a video hopefully we'll get you involved in the battles or in one of the jams um and it'd be really great to connect with all of you what i would say is go to gnarly's website take the lesson become a really dope 
performing beat maker then submit to secret sauce <laughs> it's almost like cheating that's kind of like yeah you're you're kind of you would be a biased uh, judge <laughs> in that case um no but that's awesome that's a lot to offer uh thank you so much for being on the show loved uh having the talk we have a lot of people like uh sending love in the chat as well delirium yourself a lot of people really really enjoyed this interview so thank you so much thank you guys so much and thank you so much for having me teacher as well it's been really really lovely evening chatting with you for sure. And make sure you all tune in every Thursday. We have a different interview show. Um, we've got a really cool guest next week. Make sure you're following 343 Labs and, uh, you know, my socials because we'll be announcing that really soon. Um, every Thursday, I do a call-in show on my channel. You can call in and ask for advice every Monday. So stay tuned for that as well. And, you know, new content all the time from myself and Gnarly. Make sure you're subscribed to all the channels. A lot of inspiring words there from Gnarly. Really hope you enjoyed this interview. If you did, make sure you subscribe to the Tatro Radio podcast. And more importantly, tell a friend. Tell a friend who might enjoy this podcast. We're posting clips, very inspiring clips to, you know, help motivate you in your music production process or your home studio creative process. And also interviews like these. And we're going to go back to doing some music reviews as well. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and let a friend know who also might be interested. But for now, thank you so much for listening. This has been Tatro. Have a good one.